0: Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church located in Avon, Connecticut. This week marks the beginning of our new series titled, While You Wait, God Works. In the first sermon, Pastor Rob dives into John 14 to try to determine, while we've been waiting for Jesus for 2,000 years, what has God been doing? let's listen now.
1: Let's pray together. Gracious God, in your presence today, we confess that we are longing for you to do something fresh in our day, something fresh in us, something fresh through us. And so, God, we pray, asking you to pour Your Holy Spirit out upon us, to speak to us through Your Word, to shape us through Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, as we turn our attention to John chapter 14, we're asking the question, what is God doing while we wait for Jesus to return? You see, in the New Testament, there is a clear, compelling promise by Jesus that He is to return. Now, what does that mean? Well, Jesus came the first time. He, he came to earth. He was born. He lived among us. He, he taught us. He died, and He rose again. That's Jesus' first coming. But then we read that Jesus who came also left, After his resurrection, we read in the book of Acts that Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, imagine what that must have been like for his disciples. His disciples had done life with him. They they were alongside of him, learning from him. He was teaching them. They could talk with him daily on a face-to-face kind of basis. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus is gone they, they were so sad at His loss, and, and we, too, are, are, are sad. We're bereaved at the fact that Jesus is not present with us. I mean, think about what it would be to have Jesus present with us right now face to face. Think of how comforting that would be. And think about how many questions we would ask Him. So many Answers that we want from God, Jesus could give them if he were here face to face. And we recognize that the work that Jesus has to do is not done. Jesus says he's gonna eliminate sin and death and evil, and those things are still very much a part of our world, and so we long for Jesus to be here, to be with us to finish what it is that he started. And so Jesus says, I am going to return. I'm gonna finish what I've started. It's a hope that reverberates throughout the pages of the New Testament. And so here we are waiting. Jesus tells us that he's going to return and then he tells us to wait for him expectantly, looking for his return at any time. And so in the early church in the first century, they anticipated that Jesus would return any day, any hour. And yet here we are. In the year 2023, Jesus has not yet returned, and we are still waiting. So what is God doing while we wait for Jesus to return? That's the subject that Jesus turns to in John chapter 14. You see, John chapter 14 is set on the night before Jesus' betrayal, arrest, and the next day His crucifixion and His death. Jesus gathered together with His disciples for one last meal, and during that meal, He taught them some things that He wanted them to remember and to know. We find what Jesus taught them in John chapters 13 through 17. And in John chapter 14, Jesus addresses the question, while I am gone, why am I gone? What is God doing while you are waiting? So we turn today to John chapter 14, beginning with verses 1 through 6, and asking the question, God, what are you doing? What is the work that you're doing while we are waiting for Jesus to return? And the first thing that we discover in John chapter 14 is that Jesus is preparing a place for us. We find Jesus promising that He's preparing a place in verses 1 and 2, where we read, "'Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you?' Now, right here, Jesus is talking to his disciples who have just discovered that he is indeed leaving them and that they cannot go where he is going. Jesus had spoken on several occasions about the fact that he was leaving. But in John chapter 13, he told his disciples in the clearest way possible, I am leaving. And when they said, well, we'll come with you. Where are you going? We'll come with you. He said, where I'm going, you cannot come. The disciples were distressed. And so, as we turn then to John chapter 14, Jesus senses the fact that their hearts are troubled. And he addresses that sense of being troubled in them. Now, here's the thing about being troubled being troubled is a natural response for human beings to have. When we are faced with difficult circumstances in life, we get troubled. It's not necessarily sinful to be troubled. In fact, in the New Testament, we read repeatedly that Jesus himself was troubled. In fact, as Jesus was approaching his own arrest, betrayal, and crucifixion, the Bible tells us he was troubled by what was about to happen. In John chapter 12, verse 27, we read Jesus saying, "'Now is my soul troubled.'" And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus says, my soul is troubled. It's natural to be troubled when troubling circumstances come our way. And yet Jesus says there is an antidote to that sense of being troubled. He says the antidote to that sense of being troubled is to believe in me. Now, when Jesus says that we are to believe in Him, there are many layers to what He's saying. You see, He begins by essentially saying, you do believe in God and you do believe in Me. He's affirming the fact that His disciples do indeed believe in Him. But at the same time, He's commanding them. He's commanding them to continue believing. Believe in God, and He adds, believe also in Me. But there's more to that word that He uses there. The word that Jesus uses implies not only that we give cognitive assent, but he says, trust. You trust in God? Do. Trust in God. And he adds, trust in me. But there's more. He's saying, have faith in God. And have faith in me. When your heart is troubled, if you believe that I am who I claim to be, if you will trust in me that I am in charge, if you will have faith in me, then your hearts don't have to be troubled. Believe in God, and we don't have to be troubled while we wait, because Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you. It's going to be in my Father's house. There, I am going to prepare a dwelling place for you. Now, as Jesus talks about preparing a dwelling place in his Father's house, what is he he referring to? Kind of in in the most general sense, Jesus is saying, my Father has a household, and I am preparing a place in my Father's family for you. We know that when Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, if we will accept that price He's paid, we can be forgiven. And when we're forgiven of our sin, we are reborn into a new life. And in that new life, we are adopted into God's family. We become sons and daughters of God, members of God's family, members of God's household. Jesus says, I am preparing a place for you in my Father's house. But that place in our Father's family is reflected in a place for us to dwell in eternity, Because you see, the Bible tells us that at the end of all things, old heaven and old earth are going to dissolve. They will pass away. And in their place, after sin and death and evil are defeated finally, God will create again a new heaven and earth. And at the center of new heaven and earth will be New Jerusalem, a city a dwelling place prepared for us to be eternally. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, we read, I'm sorry, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, we read, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, and look at that word there, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Prepared. Jesus goes to prepare a place for us, and in Revelation chapter 21, we find a city Full of houses and dwelling places prepared for us to spend eternity in with God. You can read more about the New Jerusalem in Revelation chapters 21 and 22, the ending of the Bible. Jesus says, I am going and I am preparing a place for you where you can dwell for eternity. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, Jesus also says that he is coming again to take us to that place. Jesus goes on to describe the fact that he's coming again to take us to that place in verse 3, where he continues, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also Now, the fact that Jesus is coming again to take us to that place that He's prepared for us is a hope that resounds throughout Jesus' words. He comes back to that promise over and over and over again in His own teachings. That promise continues through the pages of the New Testament. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, as Jesus ascends into heaven and the disciples, now apostles, are standing there watching him gone from them, two beings, we assume are angels, appear to them and tell them that Jesus will come again. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, we read Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus is coming again. Now, that teaching, that promise... Resounds throughout the epistles. In all those letters in the New Testament, the authors are saying Jesus is coming again. In fact, it is the promise that Jesus closes the Bible with. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, we read in the words of John, He who testifies to these things, that is, Jesus says, Surely I am, look at that, coming soon. To which John and the church respond, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the promise that that the New Testament resounds with. Jesus is coming again. Now, as we think about this promise that Jesus has made to us, there are multiple ways to slice and dice and look at the details of that promise. In fact, as evangelical Christians, there are questions that we have different answers to. In fact, when it comes to something called the millennium that happens and appears late in the book of Revelation, there are different answers about how that fits into the timeline of what God is doing as Jesus comes again. In a similar fashion, there's something called the tribulation. And Christian scholars and theologians are divided on when and how the tribulation fits into the timeline of what God is doing. And as we think through and answer questions like these, we recognize that Bible-believing, Orthodox, Jesus-loving, evangelistic Christians come to different answers to these questions. These aren't things to divide over, These are not things for us to divide from one another over. Rather, we remember that as Bible-believing, evangelical, evangelistic Christians, what unites us is incredibly important. We are united in the fact that Jesus is coming again that when He comes again, He comes physically. We see Him, and when He returns, He judges sin and death and evil. We are resurrected, and we spend eternity with Him. We are united in understanding that Jesus comes again. Now, as we approach John chapter 14, verse 3, I believe that among the options of how we can look at that passage, there is one that makes the most sense, and that is to say that in John chapter 14, verse 3, Jesus is referring to the rapture of the church. I believe that that is the way to look at verse 3 that makes the most sense out of what Jesus says out of what prophecies say, and out of the witness of the balance of the New Testament. And the rapture of the church refers to Jesus returning in the sky to claim His church before a period called the Tribulation. I believe that's what Paul is describing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, where he writes, "'For the Lord Himself,' So Paul is describing here Jesus returning to claim the church before the tribulation. I believe that's the best way to understand what Paul is referring to in John, or what Jesus is referring to in John chapter 14, verse three. But let's back up and understand that the bigger picture here is what is so critical. Jesus, who is going to prepare a place for us, is coming again to take us to that place that he's preparing for us. So Jesus says, do not be afraid. Jesus is preparing a place for us. Jesus is coming again to take us to that place, and Jesus is offering us access to that place. And we know it because Thomas didn't know it. Let's continue in John chapter 14, verses 4 through 6. Jesus said, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, as a person who is directionally challenged, I greatly empathize with Thomas here. When I was learning how to drive at age 16, I got my driver's license, and then I was loose in my hometown. It was time for me to drive to places that I had been going to all of my life, and yet I had no idea how to get there. So, these are the days before GPS, and I would go to my parents, and I would ask really smart questions, like, how do I get to the mall? And they would respond so very patiently, with answers like, "It's not like you haven't been to the mall a hundred times." But I had no clue how to get to the mall because when we'd go to the mall, I was not paying attention. How do I get to my school?" I was not. Paying attention, and I'm directionally challenged. And so I understand Thomas here. Jesus says, You know the place, the way to the place where I am going. To which Thomas says, Nope, do not, do not know where you are going, cannot know how to get there. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. The life. When he says, I am the way, he means the path, the road, the means of access. Jesus is the path, the road, the means of access to the grace of God. And he is the path, the road, the means of access to the place he is preparing for us. When he says he is the way, that is actually the controlling image for the two that follow meaning the way is what helps us to understand the truth and the life. He is the way and He is the truth about how to find the way to the place He is preparing for us. He is the way and He is the life we find at the end of the way that we are taking. He is the the way to the place He is preparing for us, the truth about how to find that way, and the life waiting for us at the end of that way. Jesus is the way and the only way to the Father. Now, in our culture, we're so used to thinking that there are multiple ways to get anywhere, Recently, I went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Now, if you just decide you're going to go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by air, you go online to start finding airline tickets, you will discover that there are multiple ways to get to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. There are a couple of direct flights there each day, just a couple of direct flights. Other than that, you're going to be connecting. You could connect through Charlotte, North Carolina, which geographically would make sense. Or you may be diverted to Atlanta, Georgia, because everything in the South goes through Atlanta. You could fly through Washington, D.C. But hey, just for fun, you could also get there through Detroit, Michigan, or through Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we're just getting started on the ways that you can connect to get to Myrtle Beach. And in our culture, we are accustomed to thinking that any destination that's worth it, there are multiple ways to get there. Jesus says I am the way the only way to get to the father now many people in our culture will will think that if there is a god then there must be multiple ways to access that God. There must be multiple pathways we could take to get to God, and there must, therefore, be multiple pathways to get to whatever good thing is waiting for us after death. That's the thought that many people in our culture have. But Jesus says, nope, on the contrary. I am the only way to get to the Father. I am the way, the only way. And if you follow that thought through, then you recognize Jesus then is also the only way to the place He is preparing for us eternally. And if you follow that thought through just a very little bit, you recognize then Jesus is the only way to get to our dwelling place in New Jerusalem, in the new heaven and new earth that God is preparing for us. And so then you have to come to some conclusions that should make you think deeply. Because that means if I do not have Jesus, I cannot get to the place that Jesus is preparing for me. In fact, if I do not have Jesus, I cannot get to the Father. In fact, the Bible agrees specifically with us, and the Bible says, if we do not have Jesus instead of eternity with the Father in the place that Jesus is preparing for us in the new Jerusalem and the new heaven and new earth, when we face judgment apart from Jesus, what waits for us instead is eternity in conscious punishment separated from God In fact, the Revelation tells us more about this. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, we find that apart from Jesus, after judgment, what waits for us is a lake of fire. We read in Revelation 20, verse 15, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so, apart from Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, what waits for us eternally is conscious separation from God and punishment in a lake of fire, which means that faith in Jesus Christ is critically important. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, what waits for you is eternity in punishment, separated consciously from God. If you are not a follower of Jesus, do not put your faith in the idea that there are multiple ways to get to God and to eternity with Him. Jesus is the only way to the Father and to eternity with God. Please, I beg you, put your faith in Jesus Christ today. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Understand this, Jesus has given you access to the place that He is preparing for us eternally. And so, to you, He's saying, do not be troubled or afraid. In fact, that is the message that we should take from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, if we're disciples of Jesus today. Don't let your hearts be troubled while we wait. Don't let your hearts be troubled while we wait. You see, our hearts are frequently troubled. That's what the New Testament tells us. Being troubled is a part of the human experience, and and it happens to us. Your heart may be troubled today. Sometimes our hearts get troubled because we're just simply Impatient for God to come again in Jesus Christ. Sometimes our hearts are troubled because while we're waiting, because we can't see Jesus, our faith is being tested and our, our belief is turning into doubt. Sometimes our hearts are troubled because we look around at the world and we see the world around us seeming to fall apart. Sometimes our hearts are troubled because we love people who don't have faith in Jesus and we want desperately for them to find the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes our hearts are troubled because we're in pain and the people around us are in pain. We want Jesus to come and to heal that pain. Our hearts get troubled. Jesus knows this and he understands this. But you see, knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for us, lifts us up because you see in those times in life where our troubles turn into a despair, a gloom that feels like clouds that are in the sky, so thick that we'll never see the sun again, knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for us, pierces through that cloud and that gloom like a shaft of sunlight, lifts us up. And there are times in our lives where everything around us feels like it's shifting, like it's unstable, like it's slippery, like we're just falling until we remember that God is preparing a place for us and that God, who is preparing that place for us, is more certain than the dawn. And then knowing that, that Jesus is preparing a place for us, lifts us up with hope. Knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for us pushes us outward, too, because we know what comes with the place that Jesus is preparing for us sin, death, and evil are defeated and destroyed. And the Bible says that God in that place is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Can you imagine that? It says there's not going to be any more mourning or suffering or crying or pain or sickness. He's going to wipe the tears away because all of that is going to be gone. And we want that, But the temptation is to say, since I have that hope, and since the world is such a hot mess, let the world sink into oblivion and judgment. But knowing that Jesus is preparing that place for us reminds us we can't let the world just sink into oblivion and judgment. We must go to the world with the good news that Jesus Christ is risen. He is Lord. He is way and truth and life. And we have to offer them hope in Jesus Christ. And so knowing, knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for us pushes us outward on mission. Knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for us pulls us forward. Because you see, as as life goes on for us, we begin to look back, and as we look backward, We sometimes come to the conclusion that the best things have already happened to us and what is ahead could never be better than what has been before. And knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for us reminds us constantly that what God has for us ahead is better than anything that has been before. It pulls us forward. And as we think about the future that God has planned and we stand right here in the present, we think, I could do something to endanger what God is doing in the future. I could mess it all up. But knowing that it's Jesus who's preparing that place reminds us that that future is secure. There is nothing I can do here and now to stop what Jesus is doing in the future, and that pulls me forward. Knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for us pulls us forward in anticipation. So, right now, we're waiting. Sometimes our hearts are troubled. Jesus says, I am preparing a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And he says, believe, believe in God, believe also in me. He says, trust in God. And he adds, trust in me. Have faith in God and have faith in me. Don't let Your hearts be troubled while we wait for Jesus to return.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon Podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, You can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.